Well, hello, hello, and welcome to Business of Design. This is episode 215. I'm Kimberly Selden, interior design professional and a very grateful part of this community that continues to keep me on the straight and narrow. How are you? Are you doing okay? Are you busy? You're not busy. Too busy? Are you thinking, wow, if only I had another element to add to my interior design business? If you are, then you're really going to appreciate today's guest, Dean Lucas. She's going to talk about her experience adding a component to her interior design business, a component that is direct to consumers. In this case, a passion for Swedish antiques that led her to import these beautiful objects to her native home of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So many of our Business of Design members, the interior design community, those listening to the podcast have given some thought to adding a component to their existing interior design business. For some of you, you have an online curated collection of items that clients can purchase. And this way, uh, clients have confidence in buying because you've given it your stamp of approval. Others of you have full retail spaces and you have found this is an amazing way to market at street level and it has in fact increased your profitability. And while all of that sounds great, at the end of the day, I'm left with the knowledge that there really is no easy way to make additional money. And our guest today is really going to talk about the learning curve, the steep ramp to get her own import business up and running. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I really don't have a desire to import antiques, but I think the message may still resonate if you've ever thought of adding some type of retail component to your existing interior design business. It certainly sounds more complicated to me than I imagined it would be. And it reinforces the idea that I really need to protect those small vendors who live near me, who've taken the trouble to curate something wonderful and put it in a retail space so I can have the privilege of wandering through and shopping at my convenience. Personally, I don't have a retail component or a direct-to-consumer component. However, this topic definitely appealed to me because I can't think of a time in my life where I had only one job. I've always had at least two, if not three things on the go at any one time. Some hits and some misses. I would say business of design is a hit, but it wasn't always so. We spent the first 10 years underwater trying to get the message out, spending more than we ever took in. And so if it looks like we're a big success overnight, trust me, that isn't the case. I launched an online magazine once that started out with a bang and ended with a fizzle. That was kind of an epic failure, very expensive also. So there's no sure thing, but learning from someone who's already done it is always a good idea. There's this point in the interview where Adina and I are talking about the challenges of shipping. And of course, this was recorded before the current monumental crisis that's happening right now in the Suez Canal. 
looks like as of this morning, there's a bit of water underneath the ship and they may in fact be able to free it. I hope so because I'm sure there's so many people's lives who are inconvenienced. I really feel for whoever's driving the boat. Does someone drive a boat? I don't even know, but you know, you're like trying to parallel park and you're blowing it and it's kind of humiliating. Can you imagine being, oh, you're the guy that got stuck in the Suez Canal. Anyway, dear me, it's complicated life, isn't it? I thought 2020 was a year of surprises. It looks like 2021 is trying to keep up. Let me tell you a little bit about Adine Lucas. When you fill out an application to be a guest on the Business of Design podcast, one of the things we ask you at the top is to provide us with a biography. And we ask that that biography be pithy and smart, short and clever, in other words. Adine reached out and said, those two words describe me perfectly. So we knew we were going to love having her on the show. She's had her own decorating business for 17 years. In addition, she teaches at two universities and colleges, and Nadine is one of, oh, I don't know, a handful of teachers and professors who purchase business of design books to use as textbooks for their students. It's not something we've ever promoted, and I definitely would love to write a proper textbook, and that is the plan for 2022. But if you're a teacher and you would like to work with us, we would be happy to set you up with some textbooks. And as if that isn't enough, of course, as I said, her love or her passion for Swedish antiques led her to launch an import business. And once all those beautiful antiques arrive in Calgary, she'll have to export them to places all over the world, I'm sure. You should definitely check out her website, freyadecor.com. I'll spell it for you, but don't panic if you're not in a position to write it down. Just go to businessofdesign.com for the show notes. That's F-R-E-Y-I-A-D-E-K-O-R dot C-A, Freyadecor dot C-A. You can find Adine on Instagram under the same handle. We're so glad you're here. Episode 215, Direct to Consumers with Adine Lucas. Let's check in with Cheryl Horn. Hey, Cheryl, you've got a big smile on your face this morning. What's going on? You know what? It's been a really busy week since our boss meetings last week. Uh, We had so many people show up, which was great. And uh, the applications are already starting to come in. So it's so nice to see, you know, some familiar faces, some newer names to our membership who have just, you know, powered through. They've uh, gotten their BOD certification and they're um, already wanting to take their business to the next level and get together with other members to, you know, further their business, that accountability. Uh, It's going to be a busy week ahead though, as we start to review those applications and, you know, start putting those groups together. Yes. I think everybody was very excited about having a CFO to review their financials I, I'm for one, I'm really excited about that component as well. And as I'm looking forward to going through Larry's process with him. So yeah, I, we're very excited about this. What else is happening at Business of Design? 
Well, I will mention actually before we get off the boss topic um, that some of the questions that happened during the um, earlier session, we were able to clarify more on in the evening session. So we did make that recording available uh, just for the one week. But if you log into the site and click on your dashboard, there's going to be a link so you can access that recording. It'll just be available for the week. But if you still have questions, if you're still thinking about joining, uh, don't miss that. But um, I also just wanted to, you know, we don't have anything immediate coming up, but I wanted to do a couple of save the dates for our next two BOD lives, which are our monthly member meetings. So they are included with your membership, but if you're um, a listener and uh, you want to get in on either one of these events, please join our membership and uh, you can participate. So coming up on April 14th, at a different time slot, it's going to be 9 p.m. EST. Uh, every once in a while, we want to make sure we do one of our BOD lives in the evening so that some of our Australian members can join. Uh, so many of them, it's kind of amazing. They wake up in the middle of the night to participate, but every once in a while, we're going to stay up late and um, make it easier for them. So um, April 14th, BOD Live is going to be your dream team. So, um, you know, a familiar name within the BOD community, Martin, Laura Martin Bovard, and a couple of her staff members are going to be joining us. So they're going to be so sharing good. yeah, the inner workings of their office. Uh, most of her staff is fairly long term. So they're going to talk about their systems, obviously their BOD members. Also, um, how they, how Laura is able to delegate our responsibilities, mm. how each project works, sort of the behind the scenes look. And I know so many of our uh, members have questions Ooh. about that. They're yeah. at the point where they want to hire, and this is going to be a great conversation. Yeah, keeping it real, real. We can't do that because my staff, every single one of them is shy. It's like, no, I don't I don't want to talk. I don't want to be in front of people. So I'm super happy Laura is willing to do it. That's great. So that's April 14th. And then in May? Yes. And then coming up on May 5th, we are, you know, sort of back by popular demand. We're going to do an open group coaching session. So you know, last year, this is what we did as our monthly meetings. Um, but since relaunching the site with the new BOD uh, 15 and other new programming, we recreated it in in a way that at the end of them, the number of questions we get about the, the 15 steps and other programs has just dropped, which, which was the point. The, the programming itself is so much more robust that you really shouldn't finish it and still have questions. Right. So um, we had 10 years of people asking us questions and we're like, we have to include the answer to that question yes. in the next round. So that's what happened. Uh, yeah. but, but I did notice we got a question that we receive a lot and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's partly why we're doing a coaching session, but somebody's asking, you can't tell me you go from step three to step five without several client meetings in the middle, or at least one or two other client meetings in the middle. And I'm like, well, you know what? Why don't, why don't we talk about that on May 5th? That'll be definitely one of the questions we talk about. Yeah, exactly. So most of the questions that we get now are very project specific. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, a client said this and I just didn't know how to respond or, you know, things along that lines that sort of fall outside of, um, the core business of design system. So that's what we're going to do because these are now meetings and not webinars. Uh, you can just show up and attend, have your questions ready. You can raise your hand right there in the meeting and, um, you know, ask your questions live. Uh, again, it's going to be April 14th and then May 5th. Details for both of the BOD lives are on the website. And of course, if you're already a member, you're going to get reminder emails as we get closer to those dates. But I do have one more thing before we go, Ooh. an update from last week's um, episode. Um, Jamila and Ebony sent an email shortly after your interview wrapped and uh, they just wanted to share 
some numbers, which is awesome. So they said, so excited about the year ahead. I didn't even get into numbers, uh, but my business grew almost two and a half times in 2020. And I love that they added 2.42% or times uh, to be exact versus 2019. (laughs) So they know their numbers really well that they could actually say, 2.42 2.42 times, that's which is awesome. amazing. That's super impressive. Yeah. Not just the growth, well, that's but that they ebony. that accurate. That's Ebony, right? They just We decided that Jamila was the free-spirited, creative one, and Ebony's the one who's like crunching those numbers. So I love it. Two and a half times growth in a single year uh, with their membership, which is amazing. We've heard the story before. I'm not being blasé, but wow, uh, we're so excited for you and uh, for everybody who's willing to make those changes, right? Make those changes. Cheryl, thank you so, so much. What happy news to end on. It is, it is. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. All righty. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Good morning, Adine. Where are you calling us from? I'm calling from Calgary. Very nice weather we're having really all over North America right now, but I bet it's pretty, all that snow. Inconvenient, but beautiful. Yeah, and you know, it's nice to work from home right now when you don't have to go outside in this. Yes, it really is a benefit. And I wonder when this is all over, if I'm going to be a little bit more reluctant to get in the car and go to a meeting. I wonder if I'll be just like, can't we do it by FaceTime? Yeah, I think it's going to change the way we operate for sure, because we realize now we can do everything online, a lot of it. Right. Even even things, well, some things are a lot more challenging. Like I have found selecting fabrics for clients a lot more challenging. But other than that, most things you're able to get done. It may take just a teeny bit longer, I guess. And I think that it also, clients are more flexible now, realizing like we're doing the best we can. We're all reinventing ourselves and just be patient with the process. Exactly, exactly. Now, you are an interior design professional, but you also have what a number of our members have, which is a a retail component or an online component. So tell us how those two things work together. Well, what I wanted to share with you is what not to do, because that's what I did. I I've done my design business for 17 years and then I branched into teaching and then from teaching I decided to start importing things Um, and then I really learned from the backwards way of how to do it and I thought wow if I had a manual for how to do this properly which is the internet but I never bothered to read it I would have done this so much easier on myself and so much more um, cost effective and time effective so that's what I wanted to talk about is how to do it the right way. What is it that you have done in, in your own words, kind of backwards? Okay. So what I've done in reverse is 
learning how to import things after I've imported things, right? Like what uh. could I have done better in this process and how could I have saved myself headaches? If I would have just done the legwork ahead of time, I would have saved myself a lot of hassle and stress. And so I was thinking, what are like the six main points you need to know to do this properly so you don't have the expense, the delays and the headaches that I had thinking, oh, how hard can it be? It was hard. Super hard. Okay, so this is for anybody who's considering adding that online shopping element to their already happening interior design business or even a retail element, right? And you want to bring products in from somewhere else. I would love to know what those six points are. What's the most important thing we need to know? I think the important thing you need to know is research your product. What exactly are you bringing in? What is the content of what you're bringing in? So is it completely made in one location? Are there parts that are um, found offshore? The more detail you have about your product, the better. So for me, I'm importing everything from Sweden and they're antiques. So for me, it was easy because it was like, they're made in Sweden and they're being exported from Sweden and there's really not a lot of discussion. But then I got points like, well, was, And I'm also importing sheepskins from Sweden. So that was like animal products. So that's a whole other um, concern that the government had. So I think if you're bringing in something like a sofa, is the frame made offshore and the fabrics made, let's say, in Italy and the springs are made in wherever. You have to know those components. They want the details of each product. If they have to keep coming back to you for questions, then you're not being clear and it delays the process. And you're talking the process of importing something from another country. If you live in Australia and you're bringing it from the United States, or if you live in Canada, as is your case, and you're bringing it from Sweden, you do need to know government regulations. And you also, it sounds like you need to know the components and the individual elements that are going to make up the products that you're importing. Right. So for me, I thought, well, I'm just bringing in Swedish antiques. Well, what's the era? Anything that's older than 50 years is considered an antique. Anything above that is not. It's just vintage. So, oh, my God. I'm an antique. I, I know. It's not like I'm vintage right now. I'm just on the cusp. Wow. That just happened. That's <laughs> Wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that a little bit. I know. Just pause for a moment. Exactly. So the other thing you want to know is, is the item that you're trying to import, is it permitted in Canada? So with the sheepskins, I had to do my research on that and find out because it's a hide, is it permitted? Um, I also imported some like type of branches that are native to Sweden. Those were confiscated because I didn't do my research and we're not allowed to bring that in. So even though I paid for it, I don't get it. You have to be aware of animal products. You have to be aware of flora and fauna. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I could see how that would be all really complicated. Okay, so that's the first thing. You've got to know what it is you're importing and what are the rules wherever you live about bringing that product into your country or state or province. Okay, what's number two? The second thing to do would be to hire a broker, a licensed broker and you can find licensed broker lists online. Um, Once you have a business number and you're established, you can then get uh, through the CRA an import-export number. And from there, you can hire a broker and really get things going. So without a broker, if you're inexperienced like I was, 
there's so many terms and so many shortcuts that I wasn't aware of. So they all talk in code, right? You know, with acronyms. And it's like, I don't know what these acronyms mean. So they would send me an email with acronyms and I'd be like, okay, then I'd go look it up, find out. So having a licensed broker who can walk you through it, they basically hold your hand through the process and say, here's what we need. We need the, the country or city of origin. We need a certificate that proves it's from there. Where are the parts from? Uh, do you have samples? What's the composition? Do you have pictures? Uh, what's the age of the product? So you, you give all that information to your broker and then they can classify it with the tariffs. Where does that fit into the tariffs, the duties, the taxes? Can you even do it without a broker or do you, you have to have a broker? I recommend having a broker for your first run just because you learn the process through a professional. And of course you pay for that, but they're kind of a liaison between you and the government agency that you're trying to import. But how do you do it without a broker? You learn, you just simply, uh, you contact the government, you go on their website. So, um, Oh, okay. So if you don't have a broker, you have to liaison with the government, exactly. which we all already know is going to be a little bit challenging. <laughs> I don't care where you live. That's just not going to be easy. Right. So it depends on, like, I look at it like this. There's certain things I'm good at that I want to spend my time on that are going to be efficient and profitable. And there's certain things like being on hold with the government and filling out forms and then not knowing how to fill out the right form. I don't want to deal with that. So I paid a broker to deal with it and he kept me informed the whole time. Um, I think even on my second run, I would still hire a broker because this is what they do day in, day out. This is all they do is they import, export. They know the fine details. What percentage are you giving up when you use a broker? Because I'm thinking I would never not use a broker. Uh, probably about 3%. Yeah. Like I got fined more from the government. So I had an inspection. It's just a random inspection. They can do that because my uh, 20 foot container was on sea from Sweden. And then it was on train from um, Vancouver to Calgary. So when it it arrived in port, uh, I had a random inspection and that cost me $2,000. Even though I did all the right things, it's just random. I had no say over that. And if I don't pay the 2000, I don't get my container. And if I don't pay it immediately, I'm fine by the day. Right. So I paid more in that $2,000 fine than I paid for my custom broker to fill out all these forms. But that was still using a broker. Right. Wow. Okay. That's now, random. I don't know if this is sounding very enticing to me. It seems like a lot of work. <laughs> What's number three? Number three um, would be having getting your goods released. How do you get your goods released after the custom broker has done things for you, like has kind of expedited the process? So I just want to touch upon like what a broker does because it's a bad story that yes, I got fined, but it's random. Like you could get pulled over at customs and say like, well, we want to inspect your vehicle. Why? Right. You answered all the questions. Your law by exists and it's just, that's your time. So with a broker, um, they will obtain the release of goods. They pay any duties, taxes on your behalf after, of course, you've given them your credit card authorization. Uh, they'll respond to any, um, what's the word, like any uh, information that the CBSA requests, and then they keep you informed, like here's your container. When I sat there wondering where's my container, my broker phoned me and said, 
this is the ship size because of COVID, everything is backlogged on the ship. So it takes three days to get your container off the ship. Once it came off the ship, then there was inspection, then they have to repack it. So every day is another delay, which is actually accumulates to weeks, right? It takes that long, but without a broker, who would I be calling? Like, how would I find out where's my container? What's going on? I wouldn't know. So they handle all the paperwork. They provide you with expert advice and they ensure that all the rules and regulations are followed. So even though I did all the right steps with the broker, it was just a random inspection. But knowing that I could call my broker going, ah, oh, where's my stuff? I had the answer, right? And like immediate, right? So I had immediate contact with him at all times of this process. So I would say, so after the getting the broker, getting your goods released. So now that you've done all these steps, how do you get your items released? That, that's more government bureaucracy. So you gotta be in this for the long haul. It's not, now I, I look at people and I just have admiration, people that have stores. I'm like, wow, how many times do you do this? I'm exhausted after once. <laughs> wow, okay, so number three is you have to get the goods released and that's a whole different process. What's number four? There's more because you've yes. got the goods now. What's number four? So after you receive the goods, they're in Canada, you're doing the little Snoopy happy dance, like finally I can have product. Then you have to, this is your broker game. You have to figure out how do you get it from the arrival situation with Canadian customs to your actual location, right? So that's more transport. So when I look at my situation, it was by sea, by train, by truck to get this from Sweden. And I went to Sweden in September I handpicked everything. I got everything on the ship by October. I didn't get this until mid-January. So wow. you look at that time frame, and it's like, okay, so for the second shipment, what am I going to do differently and how can I expedite this process? Right? So my, what tip are we on? Four now or five? Five. Five. Okay. So how do you get your cargo from customs to your location, it's another trucking company. So pre-arrange that and also pre-arrange someone to unload it. So the driver comes in, I'm thinking, okay, the, the container's just gonna magically like plop down and all these men are gonna come out. No, 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 nothing like that happens. The driver backs in and he sits there and he waits. So I had to get a ladder, climb up to the truck, get my stuff, climb down. So next time I would say, I want a driver with people with a ramp, please, or like something that loads and unloads, because I didn't know that either. And all of these things are going to impact the final price you can sell the item at. Right. So why I did this backwards is I didn't research the product. I just thought, oh, antiques, like, of course I can bring them in. I should have had more documentation, more research. Um, and then I would have had all the answers instead of coming up with the answers as we go. So when I went to Sweden, what I should have done was had all the documentation with me right then and there, came back to Canada and said, okay, here it is. What do I do with it? Instead of going back to my pickers and saying, okay, so you know that 18th century chair, like, was it really made in Sweden? Like going through 300 pieces and going through it step-by-step step was time consuming. So once I got all my stuff, then I realized I just paid $2,000 that I wasn't expecting it. And I've already priced everything. How do I make up for that $2,000? I'm going to do it the next load. 
right? Because I've already made all my tags, everything's printed, it's on Shopify. I'm not starting over on that. So had I had all this information or a little contingency fund knowing, you know what, instead of marking everything up two or 2.5 or three, maybe I take into account, I could be like, I didn't even know I could be fined and inspected. Now I do. Now I think I would wait. Right. So it sounds like when you're at the source, when you're making your selections, that's a good time to get all the documentation you need because the buyer is going to be very keen to give you the paperwork in order to make the sale. It's going to be harder to chase up that paperwork afterward, it sounds like. Right. And so the people that I bought from in Sweden, they were just local pickers. So they have never exported to this extent and I've never imported in my life. So now I look at this and I'm like, oh, if I just had these steps in mind of how to make this so much easier and understand the process, it would have been, I don't know if it would have been any quicker in a pandemic to ship, but it would have been a little bit more um, expected and more streamlined. Have your documentation and then get going. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that the pandemic has really changed things. I know the port of Long Beach, you can see there's like 50 cargo ships stacked, they can't get into port because they don't have enough workers to unload the goods. So you can, that's just one city, right? Um, what is number six then? Number six is, do you need any permits? Do you have to have any specific documentation depending on what products you're importing? So mine was easy because it was all from Sweden and it's all one type of product, antiques. But if you're bringing in different shipments, are there certifications? Are there permits that are required that are going to delay your shipment? I think, you know, for me, this conversation boils down to this. There's no such thing as easy money. And when I hear people think, I'm just going to add this online store, there's nothing you can just going to do that's going to be really simple and profitable. But at the end of the day, it sounds like you've made it through the worst of it and you have a beautiful website. It's Freya. Right. Am I saying that right? Freya, Freya decor. Yeah. So Freya is a Norse goddess and that liked beautiful things. Oh, that's lovely. Still, ooh, ton of work, right? It's a ton of work, but it's so rewarding. It was almost like Christmas when I got my cargo container. Cause it was like, hi, my friends. Like I've missed you. I haven't seen you since September. Wow. I am so happy we had this conversation. I am going to be a lot more appreciative when I meet vendors who have beautiful products, especially one-of-a-kind products like you have. Um, and by the way, the gorgeous wooden cheese bowls, and um, oh, I, I love the Baroque chair, so many beautiful oh. things. And now what's going to happen is you're going to get customers from all over the world, and you're going to have to export those things as well. Yeah, but a one and done is so much easier than a container. And the other thing that I've learned that I'd like to share is that you can share containers, right? So I could have got a 40-foot cargo container and split it with other vendors and share the cost of everything. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought, oh, you have to do it this way. You don't have to do it that way. Wow, maybe somebody's listening who's going to say, I'm going to get in touch with Adeen because I want to do some sharing as well. How's your interior design business? It's great. You know, I think that this pandemic really works for us because, you know, that coach that got on your nerves, you know, last year, now you can't stand it this year, right? Like anything that was under your skin a little bit is now a lot. So I think that we're, we're in our houses obviously more and 
and now we have that time to really assess what we like, what we don't like. And why are we living the way we're living? If we have this sofa for the last 10 years and we don't like it, why are we still with it? I know. For once, we're on the right side of the whatever the <laughs> economic situation is. So I'm happy about that. Adine, you know we like to end every episode with design intervention. What comes to mind? I think that my great business advice would be to see the end goal and, and to work every day towards that end goal and not get fussed on the day-to-day things that are bogging you down. Just keep focused on the prize, right? Like for my situation, the prize was, I just want my inventory. And so every day I work towards getting my inventory. And when I got it, it's almost like a renovation. I forgot all the headaches and I'm like, it's here. It's great. So good. Everybody check out the shop, freyadecor.ca. That's right. Yeah. And decor is the Swedish spelling with a K. Thank you so much and best of luck. We'll, we'll be you, excited Kimberly. to hear when everything sells out and your next shipment is coming. <laughs> yeah, I'll be ready for it this time. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today. <laughs>